0: I speak tonight for the dignity of man and the destiny of democracy. Yeah, me too. That's all. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs. To the left me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you yep yes i stuck in the from pacifica radio you. in los angeles this is the bradcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la up in oregon on 91.7 fm kyaq on the central coast and 106.7 fm queso in cottage grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, fighting for you and your democracy any way that I can. Thank you for tuning in to the Bradcast. Coming up, lots to get to today, including some uh, seemingly encouraging news for democracy in these United States for a change.
1: I like the sound of that.
0: Some news I've been trying to get to for the past week or so, so as long as uh, nothing breaks during <laughs> this broadcast, what are the odds <laughs> of that happening? Yeah. Uh, we've been kind of busy around here of late for some reason. Um, in, any, in any event, uh, so as we try to keep our eyes on stuff that matters every day, which admittedly is not easy these days with all the noise out there, uh, we've got some encouraging court rulings. Uh, as we mark the 52, uh, 52nd anniversary uh, to the week since President Lyndon Johnson introduced the Voting Rights Act following the bloody televised assault by police on peaceful African-American protesters attempting to march from Selma to, uh, to Montgomery in 1965. In Alabama, in uh, so we've got an update in that still continuing fight for voting rights for all Americans in this country, and uh, some let's call it encouraging news because we need some today. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of court news, mere seconds after we got off air last night, a federal judge in Hawaii rejected Donald Trump's second attempt at a travel ban. Affecting Muslims from six countries this time in his second try. His first try um, had uh, seven countries on that list. He's since uh, removed Iraq from the list. Uh, And this morning, uh, we had that decision in Hawaii yesterday. And this morning, another federal judge in Maryland has done the same, rejecting arguments from the government that Trump's revised travel ban was substantially different from the first travel ban that he issued back in January. The federal judges in both Hawaii and Maryland have now blocked his executive order from taking effect as scheduled today. And they use the, uh, the president's own words as evidence that the order discriminates against Muslims. The rulings in uh, in Hawaii late Wednesday and in Maryland early Thursday were victories for civil rights groups and advocates for immigrants and refugees who have been arguing that a temporary ban on travel from these six predominantly Muslim countries violates the First Amendment in this country. In Maryland, U.S. District Judge Theodore Chuang, or uh, Chong, I'm not sure how to say it, um, who was appointed by uh, then-President Barack Obama, called uh, Trump's own statements about barring Muslims from entering the United States, quote, highly relevant in this case and to his his decision. The second executive order had uh, removed a preference for religious minorities from the affected countries, among other changes that the Department of Justice had argued would address the legal concerns uh, surrounding the first ban, which was also blocked uh, by a number of federal courts across the country. Uh, The judge in Maryland wrote, despite these changes, the history of public statements continues to provide a convincing case that the purpose of the second executive order remains the realization of the long-envisioned, Muslim ban in Honolulu, U.S. District Judge uh, Derek Watson also appointed to the bench, by the way, by Barack Obama. But prior to that, uh, Judge Watson had been an assistant U.S. attorney who was appointed by uh, George W. Bush's uh, attorney general, Alberto Gonzalez. Judge Watson criticized what he called the illogic of the government's argument and cited quote, significant and unrebutted evidence of religious animus that was behind this uh, this travel ban. The second one. He also notes that while courts should not examine the, quote, veiled psyche and secret motives of government decision makers, the remarkable facts at issue here require no such impermissible inquiry. For instance, he uh, he wrote there is nothing veiled. About this press release, and he cites Trump's statement there uh, issued as a candidate that reads Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Yeah, yeah, I guess you don't have to uh, read his psyche to understand that. The uh, the president's executive order falls squarely within his uh, lawful authority in seeking to protect our nation's security, said the uh, uh, Justice Department spokesperson on this in a statement in response. Speaking Wednesday evening at a rally in Nashville, Tennessee, Trump called the ruling in Hawaii an example of, quote, unprecedented judicial overreach. Speaking of overreach... <laughs> Uh, Donald Trump kinda has a habit of doing that, doesn't he? Um, well, I think,
1: and he heard somebody say the words "judicial overreach" several times, so he just throws that in there whenever it sounds like it might be something he could use appropriately. A big, big five-dollar word there.
0: Indeed, he said his uh, his administration would appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. He also called his new travel ban a watered-down version of the first one, which he said he wished he could implement. Which. Uh doesn't seem like that's going to help him in court. No. He's admitting that, oh, this is just, uh, like, just like the last one. I'd still like to do the last one.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of lucky that they're so incompetent at this point at hiding their racism.
0: Uh, well, yeah, apparently. Uh, while the Hawaii ruling uh, will temporarily block the travel ban, uh, a temporary ban on refugees and a cap on the number of refugees who can enter the country, The ruling in Maryland applies only to the travel ban. Uh, the Maryland ruling took the form of a preliminary injunction that will remain effect indefinitely as the case is litigated. So basically all of this uh, has not yet been decided on the merits, but rather the judges have decided uh, that in both cases they believe the plaintiffs are likely to win or uh, at least if it's put into effect now before the uh, merits are determined, it would cause irreparable harm Uh, To the plaintiffs in these cases, the judge's orders are hugely meaningful uh, for many plaintiffs, reports AP, including a man in Texas, for example, whose same sex fiance is seeking a visa to enter the United States from Iran. That, according to Justin Cox at the National Immigration Law Center, uh, who also argued the Maryland case along with the uh, along with the ACLU up there in Maryland. The uh, Cox said this Muslim ban was threatening to either separate or continue to separate families who have already been separated for months and years. It has a real world. It has real world consequences. And we were obviously very glad to see that uh, the judge recognized those and rejected the government's, frankly, callous arguments that, well, our clients have already been waiting. uh, And another few months couldn't possibly be irreparable. The hearings in uh, in Maryland and Hawaii were uh, were just two of three held on Wednesday in federal courts around the country. U.S. District Judge James Robart, who is a George W. Bush appointee up in Seattle, he's the one who blocked the initial travel ban last month. Uh, he has not yet uh, ruled on the request from an immigrants uh, rights groups, uh, from an immigrant rights groups group to block the revised version of the travel ban. There are more than half a dozen states. Trying to stop the ban overall. So we had that. That broke uh, just yesterday after the show. And uh, as the show was ongoing, we got early word about this, and then uh, all hell broke loose last night. And today, Donald Trump has unveiled a uh, $1.15 trillion budget proposal today, a far reaching overhaul of federal government spending that slashes a dozen departments to finance a significant increase in the military and to make a down payment on the uh, yes, the U.S.-Mexico border wall. Thursday's release is uh, meant to upend Washington with cuts, according to AP, to long-promised campaign targets like foreign aid and the Environmental Protection Agency. I know you're delighted about this, uh, oh, Des. Oh, uh, As well as uh, it would also uh, cut, make cuts to strong congressional favorites, such as medical research, help for homeless veterans, and community development grants. A budget that puts America first must make the safety of our people its number one priority, uh, because without safety there can be no prosperity, Trump said in a message accompanying the uh, proposed budget. That is titled America First, a budget blueprint to make America great again. Trump's uh, blueprint for the coming fiscal year beginning in October would slash the Environmental Protection Agency by 31%. Which is more than they had been talking about previously. Uh, It would cut State Department spending by a similar amount. That's actually a little bit less than they had been uh, uh, talking about previously. It is what the New York Times describes a brash upending of the government's longstanding priorities. The president would funnel fifty four billion dollars in additional funding into defense programs. That's a 10 percent boost. It's the largest single increase it would be if it passes, as is the largest single increase in military spending since uh, President Ronald Reagan back in the 1980s. Uh, since he frankly blew out the deficit with those uh with those increases in in military spending and the uh, tax cuts to go along with them
1: which then of course he had to raise taxes later to pay for the big hole in the budget that he that blew that he caused yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it would uh, that 54 billion would also beef up immigration enforcement and significantly reduce the non-defense federal workforce by thousands and thousands of employees in order to further quote uh, to further the quote deconstruction of the administrative state, as uh, Donald Trump's chief strategist, Steve Bannon, has described it. The budget goes after the frequent targets of the uh, Republican Party's staunchest conservatives. It eliminates the National Endowment for the Arts. It eliminates legal aid for the poor, low-income heating assistance, and the AmeriCorps National Service Program established by uh, former President Bill Clinton. Among the cuts, drastic reductions in the 60-year-old State Department Food for Peace Program.
1: Because we don't want any more peace, God forbid.
0: Which sends food to poor countries hit by war or, uh, or natural disasters.
1: Well, because you know, desperate people who are hungry and trying to find food for their children, you know, they'll just they'll just losers. be nice about it. <laughs> They're
0: all losers. How
1: dare they be? They born don't deserve
0: for it. any help. Uh, also, the National Institutes of uh, Institutes of Health uh, don't. Apparently, they don't deserve any help either. They would absorb uh, absorb a five point eight billion dollar cut to the National Institutes of Health. That, despite Trump's talk in in his recent address to Congress of finding, quote, cures to the illnesses that have always plagued us.
1: It's almost like he says one thing and does another.
0: Actually, I think when he says cures to the illnesses that have always plagued us, I don't think he was being literal. I think he was uh, referring to other The government spending is the illness, perhaps.
1: Oh, uh, that have always go. plagued
0: us. Maybe that's how they explain oh. that. The fact that he wanted to he, he did claim that he wanted to eradicate disease. Well, cutting six billion from that effort uh, is is a great start. Law enforcement agencies like the FBI uh, would be spared for the most part in this in this budget if it were to uh, go through Congress. But the border wall would receive an immediate one and a half billion dollar infusion for this fiscal year, and another $2.6 billion for the, uh, for the 2018 budget year starting in October. So, uh, what is that? Uh, f- four point, uh, $4.1 billion for the wall between the U.S. and Mexico that, yeah, apparently Mexico is not actually going to pay for that wall. Breaking news, Mexico ain't going to be paying for that wall. Uh, taxpayers including Trump voters themselves, uh, they are actually going to be paid for, uh, paying for that wall if, in fact, it ever gets built. Uh, and again, that's according to Trump's own budget proposal. Twelve of the government's 15 cabinet agencies would absorb cuts under the president's proposal. The biggest losers are uh, agriculture, labor, State And uh, of course, the uh, cabinet level EPA, more than 3000 workers would lose their jobs at the EPA alone and programs such as uh, Obama's Clean Power Plan, which would tighten regulations on emissions from power plants uh, that contribute to global warming. That would be eliminated as well. Uh, In addition to the cuts at the EPA and the State Department, Trump's team proposes a wide array of cuts to public education. Got to get rid of that. Who needs public education? Uh, To transportation programs like Amtrak, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, including the complete elimination, the complete elimination of the three billion dollar community development block grant program, which funds uh, popular programs like Meals on Wheels to the Elderly, Housing Assistance, and uh, other community assistance efforts. We'll uh, we'll get rid of that entirely under Donald Trump's budget. In recent years, uh, far smaller proposed cuts to to that popular grant program, uh, which includes flexible funding for a variety of housing and community projects, Uh, Far smaller cuts had created a bipartisan uproar in previous years uh, that nearly scuttled the entire budget making process. But the EPA, you're welcome, Desi, (laughs) is uh, is arguably the hardest hit agency under the uh, under the budget proposal. He wants to cut spending there by nearly a third 2.6 billion dollars from its current level of 8.2 billion dollars, and that is more apparently than even uh, than even Scott Pruitt, the new head of the EPA, actually wanted. Yeah, it's Uh, it's, and he hates the EPA, and uh, and he still didn't want it to be cut this deep. And uh, Trump wants to cut it deeper, or at least pretend that he wants to cut it deeper in this budget proposal. Because, of course, the budget proposal has to go through Congress and, and so on and so forth. All right.
1: So now, so there is a, a consideration that perhaps by introducing this severely draconian budget that would deconstruct many of the programs that are not only popular with Americans, but are essential to keeping a lot of. Poor Americans alive. um, That this draconian budget might be sort of an opening bid, so that he can then say, "Oh, look. Well, okay, fine. I'll negotiate with you. I'll I'll cut it down. You can thank me
0: now." Or or say later on, "Hey, I tried to cut it, but that dastardly Congress wouldn't let me."
1: Yeah. I mean, imagine if Obama had done this as an opening bid.
0: The uh the uh, for the the budget will be the lowest level for the EPA. Will be the lowest level for the EPA. In 40 years, uh, and uh, AP report, actually, this is New York Times, reports that in an initial draft, the White House had proposed cutting uh, about $2 billion from the agency's budget, uh, and then they ended up calling for $2.6 billion. Uh, Mr. Trump's uh, proposed cuts to the EPA, the Times says, are a magnitude greater even than those envisioned by congressional Republicans themselves, many of whom forcefully oppose uh, the agency, and, uh, and its regulatory agenda. So Trump has gone even further there. Uh, the Times reports that, the actually the AP reports, that Trump's proposal will land with a thud on Capitol Hill, and not just with opposition Democrats. AP uh, says that Republicans like Senator Rob Portman of Ohio are irate over planned elimination of a program to restore the Great Lakes. I suspect folks in Michigan are not happy about that either. The folks in Michigan uh, who we are told voted for uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, hey, thanks, voters. You're screwed. Your legs back to uh, being says dirty. Yep. That they were top Republican uh, leaders like Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky and Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, Chairman Bob Corker of Tennessee They're also against these uh, draconian cuts to foreign aid. Des, you said uh, you know uh, uh, cuts to Americans. This is going to cut. Uh, these are going to be cuts to oh, people yeah. all over the globe. Yeah, it's going to people who need it the most. It's going to
1: increase poverty, childhood poverty, hunger around the world.
0: The proposed uh, cuts at the State Department uh, have already created a backlash among uh, Republicans on Capitol Hill. McConnell has already said that uh, Republicans will not agree to these deep cuts to the State Department. Uh, and to the United States Agency for International Development (USAID) uh, that helps people around the world. So at least you've got some Republicans at least saying that they are going not they are not going to allow this uh, this slashing of um, of of our government's budget and of what our government our country is known for around the world. U.S. aid is a a huge boost to this country. It doesn't just help people from dying around the world, it also helps the image of the U.S. Yeah,
1: it helps build the U.S. image around the world. It's It helps present us as the good guys.
0: This is definitely dead on arrival, Senator Lindsey Graham said. South Carolina Republican, he serves on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He told reporters at the Capitol late last month that the uh, proposed cuts to the diplomatic corps and the foreign aid... Uh, would in fact be dead on arrival, not that Lindsey Graham has ever been able to keep his word on anything. Uh, But all told, uh, this budget uh, proposal uh, comprises just massive cuts uh, across the board, cuts to the arts, to science, and to the poor, as Washington Post summarized it today. And yet White House Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney went on, uh, what is this, from Joe Scarborough's uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC today to argue um, that, uh, that he was doing those folks a favor somehow. You could, I could point to you speeches that the president gave during the campaign that said exactly those things. In fact, that's how we wrote the budget. We went back and pulled lines out of speeches, out of interviews, talked to the president, and turned his, his words, his policies, into numbers. So folks who voted for the president are getting exactly what they voted for. Those are the numbers that he campaigned on. When you start looking at the places that will reduce Uh, Spending. One of the questions we asked was, can we really continue
1: to ask a coal miner in West Virginia or a single mom in Detroit to pay for these programs? The answer
0: was no. We can ask them to pay for defense, and we will. But we can't ask them to continue to pay for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Really? Why? Why can't you ask them to pay for the Corporation for Public Broadcasting? Why can't you ask them to pay for Meals on Wheels? Why can't you ask them to pay for aid uh, around the globe? Why can't you ask them uh, to pay for having uh, clean air and clean water? I don't know what the hell he's talking about, uh, but he's under some imaginary idea that uh, he goes on to say, I think, later in, in that segment, that these programs don't work.
1: Right. They have presented
0: no evidence that these programs don't They can't justify their
1: existence. But I'm sure that if you ask that single mother in Detroit, if you ask that auto worker in Detroit, if you ask that coal miner, that they would say, "Yes, we actually like these programs that feed our children and give us, you know, some assistance here on this very hard scrabble life we lead."
0: And by the way, if we're a coal miner, we we kind of like the regulations that keep us from dying from black lung and uh, and, and everything poisoned else. Poisoned water
1: and stuff.
0: Uh, so there's been a lot of responses today. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about them in the future. I want to hit one uh, since Mulvaney mentioned the Corporation for Public Broadcasting in that uh, in that remark there and the fact that they're just going to be uh, basically scrapping it. Uh, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting issued their statement, said uh, that it's the elimination of funding for the CPB would have devastating effects on education and culture in this country. They said in their statement, there's no viable substitute for federal funding that ensures Americans have universal access to public media's educational and information programming and services. Among them, by the way, the emergency alert system uh, on our our public airwaves. Public media, they say, is one of America's best investments at approximately $1.35 per citizen per year. It pays huge dividends to every American. How can you ask that single mother or that coal miner to pay a dollar thirty-five per year for everything they get back from the uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting? Trump's proposed budget would scrap the CPB. It provides uh, funding, of course, for PBS and national public radio stations, as well as the stations on the Pacifica radio network. I should add, by way of uh, disclosure since we are on uh, Pacifica Radio Network stations. Now, I personally, I get no funding from the CPB, but I know that some of our stations do. So, yes, cuts to the CPB could further imperil your ability to enjoy the broadcast in the near future, particularly over our public airwaves, which have already been almost entirely hijacked uh, uh, by solely corporate interests across this country. We will uh, the uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting went on to say we will work with the new administration and Congress in raising awareness that elimination of federal funding to the CPB begins the collapse of the public media system itself and the end of the essential national service. I hope they don't work too hard with the administration to make that point, because I suspect the collapse of the public media system, it's not just beginning. It has been underway now for decades, and that's, uh, of course, thanks to Ronald Reagan getting rid of the Fairness Doctrine. That's thanks to uh, Bill Clinton for passing the Telecommunications Act of uh, 1993. So that collapse of the public media system itself is well underway.
1: And probably what the goal is.
0: Exactly. What the goal is. Uh, And with that in mind, this seems like a good time to remind folks uh, that, you know, that coal miner or that single mother in Detroit, uh, to remind those folks and you about the importance of, yes, elections, and specifically the still ongoing fight in this country, the fight to vote in this country. And on that score, at least, we've got a bit of encouraging news today for a pleasant change. That story is next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you.
1: The most traumatic experience that I had as a child was when I took the opportunity or the chance to march on the Bloody Sunday March. We have the right to walk to Montgomery if our
0: feet can get us there. I understand one was uh, so... Brutally beaten that he had to be rushed to the hospital in Birmingham with a possible brain concussion. Their cause must be our cause too. Because it's not just Negroes, but really it's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy of bigotry and injustice. And we shall overcome. To me, it represented one of the finest hours in America. There had never been a march in America like this before. There hadn't been one like it since really. up for your right get up stand up stand up for your right stand welcome up, back to the broadcast Brad up, Friedman from bradblog.com 52 years ago this week on March 15, 1965 following the bloody uh, Sunday march for voting rights in Selma, Alabama uh, what you heard Congressman Joe Lewis speaking about partially in that clip, as well as uh, Martin Luther King in, in that montage we put together there. Um, Democratic President Lyndon B. Johnson stood before a joint session of Congress 52 years ago this week, delivered his historic speech. Uh, There was uh, parts of that in that montage as well, calling for the passage of the landmark Voting Rights Act to ensure the right to vote for minorities and particularly for African-Americans who even 100 years after emancipation uh, and being granted the franchise, they were still barely allowed to register, much less vote across huge sections of the American South. After uh, LBJ gave that speech uh, that year following Bloody Sunday, the landmark Voting Rights Act was uh, passed that same year, and it worked exceptionally well to enfranchise African Americans and other minorities in the years since, at least until 2013, when the uh, Shelby County uh, Alabama uh, case challenged the provision of the Voting Rights Act that had required jurisdictions with a long history of racial discrimination at the polling place to obtain federal approval before changing voting laws so that uh, such laws uh, to make sure that such laws did not have a disproportionate effect on voters of racial minorities in 2013 however in a uh, 5 to 4 opinion the right wing supreme court struck down the section of the law of the voting rights act that had determined which jurisdictions required such preclearance for new voting laws, something that the right, including uh, by then Justice John Roberts, Supreme Court uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, had been working to accomplish for decades. John Roberts writing the majority opinion in that five to four case in uh, 2013, the Shelby County case ended up uh, that that case ended up gutting the Voting Rights Act. But Roberts said that the country has changed since the passage of the Voting Rights Act and that the law, as it was then written, was, quote, based on 40 year old facts, having no logical relationship to the present day. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg disagreed in, uh, in in that case, writing for the court's uh, strong, very strong dissent. She charged that uh, throwing out the preclearance provision in the law when it has worked and it is continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. But throw away that umbrella, the court did, and Republicans in Congress have refused to correct the matter ever since, despite uh, as recently as 2006 under uh, George W. Bush having voted, the Congress voted overwhelmingly. Republicans and Democrats alike voted overwhelmingly to support uh, the Voting Rights Act in 2006, as it was then written, and to extend it that way for another 25 years. And then came the Supreme Court ruling in 2013, leaving voting rights advocates to use uh, other portions of the act where they can to try to stop discrimination at the polls. But those other provisions, by and large, can only be used after someone's rights have already been taken away. And that is still where we are. That is where we are as we head towards um, uh, confirmation hearings for Donald Trump's nominee nominee for the Supreme Court that are going to be coming beginning next week, the stolen nomination for the Supreme Court, I should add, after Republicans refused to even hold hearings on Barack Obama's replacement for Justice Antonin Scalia. So that's still where we are at this moment, by and large, underscoring why the next appointee to the court, which is currently essentially tied four to four, why that uh, why that nomination is so important. And frankly, as we have argued on the show, why it's so important for Democrats to filibuster anyone who is nominated for that uh, seat other than Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland. Just to be fair, just to you know, if we care about democracy and the rule of law and the Constitution, But uh, nonetheless, um, the other portions of the Voting Rights Act are being used wherever possible by voting rights advocates to try to protect the right to vote. And on that score, we've had uh, some encouraging court rulings uh, of late. I want to hit a couple of them here. Um, Election officials in Georgia's sparsely populated, overwhelmingly black Hancock County agreed last week to restore voting rights to dozens of re, uh, African-American registered voters that those election officials had disenfranchised ahead of a racially divided local election. About three quarters of the people that uh, Hancock County had removed from the voting rolls, nearly all of them black, still live in the voting district and will be restored to the county's registered voting list under a settlement uh, that has been agreed to by the parties here. Kristen Clark, the executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, which had sued the county in federal court, said we want to make sure that a purge program like the one that played out in the fall of 2015 never happens again. The Hancock County Board of Election uh, election members maintain that they weren't trying to target or they weren't trying to intimidate black voters by sending sheriff's deputies to summon people to appear before them and prove that they lived in the county in 2015.
1: Oh, my God. Yes.
0: Yes. Board members said they were just complying with Georgia law, which allows any voter to challenge another's eligibility and requires that a sheriff or deputy deliver documents in a voter registration challenge uh, that way directly to the voter. Nobody in Hancock. uh, This is according to the the county's uh, attorney. Their lawyer, Michael Quinn, said nobody in Hancock County is trying to turn back the clock and discriminate against African-Americans, contrary to what some news media have reported in this case. So what they did was um, this was something that would have been stopped had the pre-approval, the pre-clearance provision of the Voting Rights Act had that not been struck down two years earlier, they wouldn't have been able to get to get away with this. As uh, Kristen Clark for the Lawyers Committee pointed out, she said, As we contend with discriminatory photo ID laws or proof of citizenship requirements, we must remember efforts to purge voters from the rolls sadly remains a crude process that we are also contending with. It's one that uh, is often used to strip that right away from African-Americans and other minority voters. On behalf of the county, O'Quinn acknowledged that the board failed to consider the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, which, yes, applies to Georgia. Both state and federal law allow the removal of registered voters who have moved away from the voting district, but that federal law, the National Voter Registration Act, requires authorities to wait until the voter has voted in two federal elections And either confirms moving out of the uh, out of the county or fails to respond to mailed requests in those instances, however, where federal law goes further, federal law has to apply because it is supreme. So here the National Voter Registration Act should have been supreme over Georgia's law and that we would have learned. Had the uh, Voting Rights Act preclearance still been in place because they would have gone to get federal approval, the feds would have said, no, no, you can't do that. You can't purge people this way. Uh, And it would have been stopped. And yet these people lost their right to vote in Georgia's Hancock County. The lawsuit said board members and people close to them challenged the status of one hundred and eighty seven people as a slate of white candidates sought to unseat black incumbents in Sparta County. Georgia, the county seat. It said the board deemed ineligible more than five percent of the city's 988 registered voters. Nearly all of those voters were black. The white mayoral candidate uh, ended up winning that election, defeating the incumbent uh, black candidate. But a judge ruled that uh, the white candidate Haywood eventually ruled that Haywood was ineligible to take office due to a felony conviction, and ordered a new uh, election. That Evans, the black male uh, mayor, eventually won. Okay, so they had to throw out the entire election. But not because of this problem. They did it because it turned out that uh, the white guy, uh, Haywood, was not eligible to take office because of the felony. And uh, it was only after that that the uh, the incumbent mayor won re-election. Hancock County is nearly 75 percent black. Uh, about 83 percent of Sparta's residents are black. It's one of the poorest counties in the state of Georgia. But remember what John Roberts said is that uh, these problems are all... Those are 40 years in the past. Things have changed in this country. We don't have these problems anymore. The uh, the, the agreement here between the parties says that sheriff's employees uh, sh- should deliver voter registration-related documents only as a matter of last resort after a challenged voter does not respond to phone calls or emails or mail... Uh, basically, they were scaring the hell out of people. The sheriffs were showing up at people's doors in this town. And that's exactly what the Voting Rights Act was meant to keep from happening. The uh, uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights said We see all across the country that relationships are sometimes strained between law enforcement and minority communities. We don't need to import that tension into the voting environment. Well, too late. Too late. It already is. So at least there is a settlement in the state of Georgia. That's uh, not even in the state of Georgia, in the county, in Hancock County, Georgia. That's some good news that came in uh, over the past week that may make it uh, hopefully a little bit harder for voters to be purged inappropriately. And then we had this uh, breaking uh, late on Friday, and this is a huge case Desi Doyen, don't get nervous, but it concerns your home state of Texas again. Oh, dear. Yes, I know. Uh, A panel of federal judges in San Antonio ruled late on Friday that the Texas state legislature must redraw congressional maps in three districts that it said unconstitutionally discriminate against Hispanic voters.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Some
0: good news, right? Some good news out of Texas. You were all worried. I was. In a a 2-1 to ruling... The um, uh, the district court judges found that Texas's legislature had violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. That's the one that's still standing. They ordered that the legislature redraw the lines uh, defining districts held by uh, two Republicans, uh, Congressman Will Hurd and Blake Farenthold, uh, and one Democrat, Lloyd Doggett. The two judges uh, who ruled for the plaintiffs in this two-to-one decision found that Republicans had repeatedly tried to dilute the political power of Latino voters, either packing them into uh, uh, one specific district or dividing communities between separate districts, a process called cracking. The court finds that this evidence persuasively uh, demonstrates that uh, the map drawers intentionally packed and cracked on the basis of race with the intent to dilute minority voting Uh, dilute minority voting strength that according to uh, judges Xavier Rodriguez, who is a George W. Bush appointee and Orlando Garcia, who is a uh, Bill Clinton appointee. Uh, The New York Times reports that the uh, decision means that in the span of months, two federal courts in two voting rights cases found that the 2011 session of the Texas legislature discriminated against black and Hispanic voters. And that ruling follows on similar findings uh, as far as redistricting goes in Wisconsin, North Carolina, uh, Virginia. Recently, that maps were gerrymandered along either racial and or uh, partisan lines in those states after the 2010 census. So uh, this is how and here we are. What's the year again? 2017.
1: Yeah. So it's been several states that have implemented these really poorly, really discriminatorily drawn lines, and it's taken this long to get them addressed.
0: And and have had election after election after election, and in states that would have otherwise uh, not been able to pass these laws. If we would have been able to adjudicate this in advance, if they would have been, if these states would have been required to... Uh, uh, to meet the pre-clearance requirements of the Voting Rights Act, so these laws could be found in advance, no, you know, to be discriminatory, we wouldn't have had these problems, and yet. Republicans continue to delay and to delay and to delay as long as they, they can, and we're already coming up on the, the, the 2020 census in just a couple of years. Yeah, we got the, the process starts all over yeah, again. Yeah, the
1: 2018 election, they'll be putting in state legislatures all over the country, and 2019, there are a few that are, have off your state legislature elections. 2020, as you say, that's when the census gets done, that's when those people are going to be in place to draw these districts. Now,
0: here's why this is really important in the state of Texas, because as I said, we've seen in other states where this has happened. But uh, in this case, the uh, San Antonio Federal District Court ruled that Texas Republicans intentionally discriminated against Texas's uh, diverse new majority, as uh, the Democratic Party chairman uh, described this decision. Republicans have ensured that the dark days of discrimination in Texas continue to loom, but the sun will soon shine, uh, he said. But uh, the point is that it was intentional And uh, that's a huge deal because it didn't just have the effect of being discriminatory, uh, it was intentionally discriminatory, at least according to the two judges on this three-judge panel. If they violated uh, the Voting Rights Act intentionally then there is still a provision standing in the Voting Rights Act that would require the state that, uh, you know, the the plaintiffs could go and ask that the state be bailed in, bailed back in to the Voting Rights Act preclearance provision. And that would affect all laws passed across the entire state of Texas that had to do with um, with uh, with elections. As Rick Hassan, the election uh, law professor and expert, uh, writes over at the Election Law blog, the big fight here is not about these particular districts in Texas, but whether the state gets put back under Section 5 preclearance for up to 10 years. That's possible uh, because of the Section 3 bail-in provision in the Voting Rights Act. Uh, The finding here... Uh, and further, the finding of intentional race discrimination will almost certainly re- be relied on uh, from this uh, from this appellate court if he says, as I expect, the trial court in in the uh, Texas voter ID case, another case that Texas has uh, lost on, uh, if that case uh, agrees, uh, once again, the case has been sent back down, but previously the court had agreed that this was intentional racial discrimination. They're hearing that uh, case again. We talked about it recently with Mark Joseph uh, Stern on this show that it did not go well for the, for the state was, of Texas. It's pretty
1: hilarious. <laughs> you should listen to that one.
0: <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you've got these two cases that yes. both find that Texas purposely discriminated, uh, as Hassan says, this is huge. Uh, he adds the caveat that uh, how the Trump d- Department of Justice would enforce preclearance, that's another matter. They may give a rubber stamp to the state of Texas uh, if, in fact, they are bailed back in. Um, uh, but we will see. Uh, w- one of the remarkable uh, points here, let me get to this uh, real quick before we get out, uh, the, the dissent in this case from, uh, from Judge Smith. Uh, he, he, he his words were amazing this descent. He had sharp words for the Department of Justice and their intervention in this case. Of course, that was before Donald Trump took over. This case has been, this was heard a couple of years ago. It's taken them quite a long time to come to a ruling here.
1: So this is the judge who disagreed with the idea that the discrimination was intentional.
0: Yeah, he says it was obvious from the start that the DOJ attorneys viewed state officials and the legislative majority and their staffs as a bunch of backwoods, hayseed bigots who bemoan the abolition of the poll tax and pine for the days of literacy tests and lynchings this is what he wrote in his dissent and the doj law- lawyers saw themselves as an expeditionary landing party arriving here just in time to rescue the state from oppression the department of justice moreover views texas redistricting litigation as the potential grand prize and lusts for the days lusts for the day when it can reimpose preclearance Of course, these are just personal observations, uh, Judge Smith writes, based on demeanor and attitude. More objectively verifiable are the witch hunts and fishing expeditions that the DOJ conducted in pursuit of its goals. There was and is no smoking gun in this record, he says. Nor has the United States shown that the state hid or failed to disclose one. The DOJ's scheme to build a record on which to urge opt-in. Uh, relief via Section 3, that's the bail-in uh, uh, for preclearance, has initially failed, he states. This court is deemed to have a jurisdiction, of course, uh, and therefore the judges will consider any remaining claims pressed by any part, any party, including Section 3 claims, as appropriate. The Department of Justice has Overplayed its hand here and in the process has lost credibility. The wound is self-inflicted. The grand theory on which its intervention was mainly based, that invidious racial motives infect and predominate in the drawing of the 2011 district lines, has crashed and burned, he says. That was one judge. The other two completely disagree. Thankfully. Hassan notes that uh, the uh, judge's dissent there is, uh, as in his words, very unusual and intemperate, (laughs) but that it reflects the tremendous hostility on the right uh, towards how the Obama DOJ handled things. Uh, It's now pretty clear that the DOJ is the focus of a lot of the current, the new administration's priorities uh, and fights, and uh, that uh, even the DOJ is no longer above the political fray, if it ever was. Says Hassan. However, it is a huge victory for voting rights plaintiffs. Hassan says. uh, uh, Nonetheless, I am increasingly pessimistic in the uh, in the medium term. Uh, In the longer term, however, uh, he's he's somewhat more uh, encouraged that this decision, if in fact there is bail-in, might help down the road. But in the medium
1: term, there's still some bumpy road ahead.
0: And uh, he also notes he's very concerned about what happens to the Supreme Court and uh, if uh, Gorsuch ends up on the Supreme Court, if uh, Kennedy ends up leaving. So there is a lot of worry in the days ahead. But for now... A victory for voting rights, an encouraging finding, perhaps trouble for the state of Texas, and anything that is trouble for the state of Texas must be a good thing. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our uh, closing moments and a few more uh, uh, stories here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Be encouraged. Don't go away. <laughs>
1: And thanks.
0: Crazy times. Crazy times. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, i get to some uh, listener mail in a second. But uh, Fox News, Fox News, our friends at Fox News, have found proof. Proof! Of media bias against Donald Trump. Now, you might be able to argue uh, media bias against uh, Donald Trump in a whole bunch of different ways if you wanted to. You could probably argue, I have some bias against Donald Trump. Feel free. Uh, But the way Fox News, uh, was this from Fox and Friends yesterday? The way uh, Fox and Friends, um, they posted this onto Twitter. Media bias on full display newspapers now cashing in on t-shirts splashed with anti-trump rhetoric and uh and they included this video clip
1: on full display. Newspapers now cashing in on t shirts splashed with anti President Trump rhetoric. The Washington Post offering this shirt, which says, Democracy Dies in Darkness. The LA Times selling shirts that say Journalism Matters. And the Chicago Tribune's featured the line, Speaking Truth to Power Since 1847. The shirts being sold for around 20 bucks.
0: Okay. Now, I, I think that the important thing here is uh, to point out. uh, Anti-Trump rhetoric?
1: Yeah, apparently democracy dies in darkness they perceive as being anti-Trump. Interesting.
0: Journalism matters. That's anti-Trump. Speaking truth to power since 1847 anti Donald Trump. Mind you this is coming from Fox News, which you know claims to be and I always had to put, you know, when I write Fox News on the blog, I can put the quotes around the word news. Nobody can see my air quotes here when I mention news, <laughs> but this is coming from Fox who you would think would care about Oh, journalism matters. you yeah. would think that at least they would prepare that. I think that uh, that clip ends up saying more about uh, Fox News and their own bias, their own bias against real media, than it does uh, about the rest of the media, the the real media that is not Fox News. Oh,
1: indeed, and and it's it's so weird because when you think about all the people who call, talk to use that famous phrase, speaking truth to power, all of these low, these many decades were apparently anti-Trump. They were
0: all going after. After Donald Trump.
1: Even 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, before he was even born, they were anti-Trump. They were
0: anti-Trump. By the way, uh, we cited a new PPP poll out yesterday that had found that to Trump's uh, GOP health care plan uh, has the support of just 24 percent of Amer- of all Americans. It's just 24 uh, percent support the uh, GOP, Donald Trump, Paul Ryan plan to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare and that uh, Donald Trump's personal approval remains still in the low 40s at best, according to uh, PPP and all of these other polls, that is even as he and Fox News try to attack actual media, non-Fox News media, as being uh, anti-Trump. But when it comes to journalism and credibility, as uh, as far as the American people are concerned, voters uh, across the country say that... Um, the New York Times has far more credibility than Donald Trump by 53 to 35. CNN, even C- even fake news CNN still has more credibility than Donald Trump, 53 to 37, according to the PPP poll. But that hasn't stopped Fox from uh, pretending that there is a uh, massive uh, be- uh, media bias, I guess, out there against Donald Trump. OK, one quick email before we go. Uh, To uh, bradcast at bradblog.com from Dale D. Dear Brad, uh, I listen on KPFK and its archives. Oh, yay. Yay. Uh, Just a suggestion that you, with your broad bradcast, might help start. Uh, That is to say, use a different term other than swamp. I guess I had been talking about Donald Trump and his claims to be draining the swamp the other day. Uh, Dale D. says... Swamps are actually valuable, unique ecosystems.
1: <laughs> He's so, right.
0: <laughs> uh, he or she. Uh, so it might it might be uh, more accurate to say that uh, Trump and his cohorts uh, cohorts what they are doing instead of draining one is actually adding sewage, mostly toxic, to the sewers. Keep up the good work with appreciation, Dale D.
1: Yes, I think
0: Dale D. is uh, might be right but i'm not going to stop using the word uh, uh, draining the swamp the phrase draining the swamp because that's uh, that's
1: that's good communication it's uh, well, i mean it's he's donald absolutely trump right is exactly. what uh, donald
0: trump has said but uh, you're and right and it doesn't
1: fit on a bumper sticker to say adding sewage to or actually mostly
0: yeah. toxic sewage to the sewers that a, doesn't work quite yes. right as well but point taken smartly said and much appreciated if you would like to drop me email you can do so as well anytime agreeing with me or not calling me anything you like my email address is bradcast at bradblog.com you can also find follow us and share us on the facebooks and the twitters at the brad blog and uh as ever my thanks to our producer desi Doyen and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's broadcast you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com though we greatly appreciate those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves, which uh, Donald Trump is hoping to end anytime as soon as possible as he's slashing and burning the National Endowment for the Arts, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and anyone who is seen as anti-Trump in any way, shape, or form, even if they just say, oh, journalism matters. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.